everybody. I want to welcome you to Grace Point Church. Um, our kids just got back from children's camp, by the way. They were at extreme camp all last week and just getting crazy, getting extreme. You're going to be blessed with a video at the end we're going to share. But, uh, but I, I got a call from Robbie. They made the trip out to Benito Park, New Mexico, up in the mountains where it's supposed to be cool, but they had a heat wave at Benito Park. So at at uh, six or seven thousand feet, it was still ninety degrees. So they were they were it was hot up there. But on the way, Robbie called me. She said, "You know what happened?" She said, "You're gonna be, you're gonna love this. Our kids are amazing." She said, she "said we were rounding them all up, and we'd eaten at Mackey D's, and you know the big you know great stop, and uh, and uh, so they had stopped there, and, and they were gonna gonna hit the road again, and." Uh, and she said, I, we were trying to round them up. We said, oh, all you MSCC here. She said, every one of those kids said, no, we're not MSCC. We're Grace Point. We're Grace Point. So, hey, hey, the kids are getting it. I don't know if you guys are. Now, I got to admit, I did answer the phone one time this week. Uh, it's a great day at MSCC. How can I help you? And I was like, oh, sorry. So I had to apologize to the person on the line. Fortunately, it was somebody we knew. So. But anyway, welcome to Grace Point Church. Now, we're taking this summer to lay some foundational things because you need to know where we're going as a house. You need to know where this thing, where this train is moving. You don't jump on a train and go, you know, I don't care where it's going. I just need a ticket to the train. You don't buy a ticket, jump on a train and just go, we'll just see where it lands. You know, we like to make a little preparation. We're the same way here. And so we're going to take you this summer through our values, our mission, who we are, what we're about. And uh, you're going to get that all this summer because you need to know where this train is going. So everybody have a puzzle piece. You got your puzzle piece? I got mine. I've been carrying it all morning Been thinking about it. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, now you got to understand the generation I grew up in. Now I'm, I'm old, so I, well, I, I need to be careful how I say that. I'm older. I'm aging. Let me put it that way. I'm 48. I know, I know you're stunned right now. You're like, you cannot believe that. Um, by the way, I have a 30-year high school reunion coming up. Looked on Facebook, saw a bunch of my old high school friends. They all look old. I'm not kidding you. I'm serious. So I think Annette and I are going to stun them when we walk in. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that's right. Woohoo! All right. So that's coming up in, in July. So we're semi-excited about that. We're not sure. How. Those are always a little unnerving. But anyway, I'll hit the gym about a week before we go. You know what I mean? Go get a tan real quick. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in a random mood. All right. When we were growing up, in my generation, it was not uncommon to go into any house and find a card table out in the living room with a pile of puzzle pieces. Did you know that the actual, the way they did crossword puzzles, or, or actually they're called jigsaw puzzles. The way they did jigsaw puzzles, they actually came out in the 1600s. And then about the time of the mid-1700s, you're going to get a factoid here. You ready for this? Go wow your friends this week with this factoid. In, the se- in 1760, a London carpenter got the idea that he could take some, and he was also a, an artist on the side, that he could take some of the things he painted, he could paint on a wood, piece of wood, a painting, and then he could take a saw and cut it into some just random shapes and pieces, and then he could give that out to his friends and whatnot, and then they could come back together and put them all together. They had a great time doing that, and, and thus was born the jigsaw puzzle. And the name, it got the name because they would cut it out with a jigsaw and get the, the, the shape that you see there. 
And uh, so they started actually being marketed about the mid-1700s, and they were all done on wood. Now, the only ones you find on wood are like the eight-piece for children three and below now, right? But what you do find today is, now, get this. Does anyone know what the, how many pieces the, large, the world's largest uh, jigsaw puzzle is that you can purchase? Anybody know? No. 24,000 pieces. It actually comes, the way they package it is they put it into bags of 6,000 apiece. I don't know how many bags of 6,000 go into 24, but somebody help me. Somebody do the math. How many? So you get four bags of 6,000. I was thinking like 80 or something, but I'm not a math guy, obviously. You can have that puzzle, the world's largest jigsaw puzzle, for a mere $299.99. I know some of you are going to rush right out. Don't use your tithe, but I know some of you are going to go out and get that puzzle. The first person to put it together, in fact, it just came out in the last few years. Uh, in fact, I've got a picture of that. Why don't we throw those pictures up while we're up here? Because uh, we know what those are, right? That's you and me. All right, next. This is a picture of 24,000 pieces, all right? Comes in a box, massive box. And let's look at the next this is, this is a picture of what it looks like. That's, can you imagine, 24,000 pieces. And then we have a picture of the girl, the first person to actually put this together. Uh, she's actually, uh, she's from Europe, and it only took her 24 days to do this. Only 24 days. So, you know, for you students who are out of school for the summer... You could probably stretch that out and make it, make it last the whole summer. That would give you something to do and keep you off the streets, right? So anyway, all right. Do I have any more pictures up there at this point? Yeah, let me see what you got. Ah, you see that picture right there? Do you know what that picture is? You're holding it in your hands. Everybody look at your puzzle piece. Now... The odds of this happening might be fairly slim, but would you check with the person next to you to see if you actually have a match if your piece? No way. Are you serious? You just pulled my leg off and beat me with it. All right. I pulled my leg there. Okay. Anybody? We have a match anywhere? Anywhere? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? Uh, we were going to get out a check for $1,000. So, okay. All right. Nobody won. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> this is part two in our series called Grace Points. We're going to spend the summer talking about this. Last week, we talked about the power of grace. And I want you to know something about grace. Let me give you the definition of grace again. It is God's power, God's strength, God's ability, and God's favor to do what you in and of yourself cannot do. One more time. It is God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's favor to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. That is grace. Grace is not a free ticket to sin. Amen? Grace is a ticket 
to win, not to sin, but to win. It is a, it is a ticket to overcome its power, its strength, its ability, its favor, so that you can overcome the junk that comes your way. Amen? That's what grace is. You can listen to that online. We do it by podcast. Go to thegracepoint.com. If you have not changed your computer over and you still have our old email address, mscc.tv, it will divert you to thegracepoint.com, but uh, change it because it won't last forever. So uh, it'll get you to our website. So go check it out and you can download the podcast or just listen to them right there online. But you should listen to last week's message. It will encourage you and will stir you up. Now, I want us in honor of God's word, hang on to your peace. We're going to use that later. I want you to turn to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Pastor Rich read from that passage. John chapter 17. And in honor of God's word, Daniel, it is so good to have you back, champ. Welcome home. Welcome home. Let's all stand together. One of our military, we appreciate so much serving. Amen. And home. Awesome. Just in time, too. (laughs) All right. John chapter 17. We're going to read in verse 20. Let me just give you a quick rundown of this. You know, a lot of times people will look at the the prayer that Jesus instructed his disciples to pray in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. But that's actually the disciples' prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be be thy name. Now, we call that the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the disciples' prayer. Remember the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, then pray like this. So he was teaching us, his disciples, how to pray. So it's really the disciples' prayer. But the real Lord's Prayer, I mean, technically, is in John chapter 17 where he prays. And he prays. We, we, we could spend a year unpacking this prayer. But we're going to take just a snippet of it. Because today we're talking about what it means to make sure that you're not a missing piece. Because it takes a lot of pieces to make up the whole. You know, there's nothing worse than getting to the end of your puzzle after you've spent hours and hours and hours on a 5,000-piece puzzle to find out that your little brother or sister used some of the pieces, you know, for their toys, or your dad used a piece to shim the table leg with because the table was crooked. You know, there's nothing more frustrating to get to the end and it not be whole. Amen? It is no different in the body of Christ. Every piece matters. Every piece is important. And it doesn't matter whether you're a corner piece, an edge piece, or a center piece. Every piece matters. Say that with me. Every piece matters. One more time. Every piece matters. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. Now turn to your other neighbor and say it. John chapter 17, let's hear what Jesus prays for you and me, all right? So I'm thinking if Jesus is praying this for you and me, this is pretty important, amen? All right, John 17, verse 20. Jesus says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that were right there present, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Now, if you're a child of God and you've been born again, you've accepted Christ, that's you. That's me. So that means what he's about to say is direct, it is specific, and it is for us. Amen? Amen. Now, if you've not yet become a Christian and you're cat scanning this, you're checking this out, you're looking and evaluating, good for you. But let me just say this. At the end of this service today, you'll have an opportunity to step over the line. 
and become one of the pieces of one amazing puzzle. All right, here we go. John 17, 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all. Someone say all. All who will ever believe in me through their message. Verse 21, I pray. This is Jesus himself praying. I pray that they will all be one. Now You need to understand that word. That doesn't mean we'll all look the same. Now, I know Chris went and got his hair cut like mine because he admires me. I'm just kidding. Actually, he had the coolest hair in the house. If I could do my hair like that, I'm like Billy Bob White. Remember Billy Bob? I'd be all over that, but that's not going to happen for me. If I grew my hair like that, it'd look like an afro, okay? So it's not going to happen, and it would be spotty. <laughs> so, so we're going to stick with what I got. But if the idea about being one isn't being just like each other. Uniformity does not mean conformity to the point that we all look the same, dress the same, talk the same, pierce the same, not pierce the same, tat the same, not tat the same, listen to the same music, not listen to the same music. But what it does mean is whole, complete. And let me tell you something. No two pieces are the same. And when that whole picture comes together, it's a good thing you don't have a duplicate in there. Or the picture will not be right. All right? Let's keep reading. I pray that they will all be one, complete. We'll be together. We'll be whole. Just as you and I are one. Do you think that Jesus and the Father were pretty close? One in essence, absolutely. Two parts of the Trinity, the tri-unity is what that literally means. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. He says, just, he said, that's how close we should be. Someone ought to say, uh-oh. Because that tells me right now, we may be a little short of that. Amen? How many know we got some work to do? How many know we got some forgiving to do? How many know we got some overlooking to do? Oh, y'all know I'm going to go there today, right? You feeling that already? Verse 21, I pray they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that, and here's the point. It's not just so we can go have a kumbaya group hug on Sunday mornings, okay? And I'm all about a group hug. I could hug you all right now. I mean, I love you guys, seriously. It's, I, I do. I went up and down the halls today just loving on people. I love you. Uh, so, so, I mean, I know it's corny, but uh, hey, I'm corny. Who cares? You know, I'm 48. I'm starting to care less. So I must be honest. All right. Listen to this. So that the world will believe you sent me. I'm debating on going somewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to hold off. No, 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 no. I'm going to wait. No, no, no. I'm waiting. Because you're standing. I'm going to wait. When you sit, I may. All right. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me. Ooh, come on now. He's given us his glory. He's given us the same glory he gave Jesus. And we're not going to impact that word. We need to impact that another time. That word is loaded like grace is loaded. All right. It says this. So they may be one. At, we got the glory of God so that we may be whole. We may be one. We may be together. Someone say together. Mm-mm-mm. May they experience such perfect unity. Again, that's wholeness. Not perfection. It means completion. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much 
as you love me. Can we pray together? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. And I thank you for this prayer of Jesus. This is the Lord's prayer. His desire for us to be one. His desire for us to learn what it means to bear with one another, to overlook, to forgive, and sometimes to tolerate, but to love, to love. And so, Lord, I just I ask that you would add your blessing, your grace, your anointing to the reading of your holy word. We honor your word this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen and amen. You can be seated. Let me give you a definition of the word connect. It's such an important word, and that is really what we're talking about today. I want you to understand something about our mission. There's three things we want you to do. It's not deep. It's not complicated, but that doesn't mean it's easy. How do you know? How many of you know that sometimes simple things can be difficult, right? And sometimes the simplest thing can be the thing that we overlook the most. But we want you to do three things when you come to be a part of this fellowship. When you come and, and to be a part of this family, because that's really what we are. And the first thing we want you to do is connect. It's that simple. We want you to do three things. Connect, serve, and grow. All right? If somebody wants to know, well, what's your church all about? Connect, grow, serve. Well, how do I do it? You connect, you grow, and you serve. Well, I see, we want to try to keep things simple here because it's easy to get complex. You know, anything left to itself will drift towards complexity. I better say that again. That went right over somebody's head. Anything left to itself will drift towards complexity. How do I know that? Because I've been in some of your garages. I've seen some of your lawns. Oh, boy, I'm meddling now. I'm, I'm not preaching anymore. <laughs> Anything left to itself will drift towards that, which it will collect clutter. And one of the things that we are about here is keeping things as simple as possible. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not complex. When it gets complicated... When it gets all convoluted and, and mixed up and all of a sudden you got to be some kind of advanced spiritual superstar in order to, to have some kind of identity, then we have left what it means when Jesus said you need to be like a child to embrace the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that we don't keep learning, that we don't keep growing? No, I mean, we do. We'll always be learning and growing, ever learning and growing. We should always be. But we got to be careful that we don't become so, listen to me, esoteric. Ooh, there's a big word. Mysterious. So that only a, a few elite superstars, spiritual superstars, you know who I'm talking about, right? The people that come into our, to our church and, and, and if they were to undo their shirt, there'd be a big S on their chest for super Christian. They're the ones that want to read you their spiritual resume well, I served on this committee, I did this, I did this, I've got these spiritual gifts, and by the way, how can you use me? Where is my platform? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever met those kind? You know what my question is for advanced, super spiritual people? Is when was the last person you led someone to Jesus Christ? When was the last time you discipled somebody? And showed them the ropes on a simple level so that a child can understand it? When was the last time you talked in real language versus Christianese and actually held a real conversation? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
So what we want to do as a church is we want to boil this essence down to what's simple, what, what works, what's reproducible, and to connect and to grow and to serve. That's the passion of what we're about. This word connect, now it, 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 there's the definition right there. It means to join together. It's not complicated. When we connect and when we invite you to connect to be a part of this thing, we're asking you to, to lock that puzzle piece that you have in your hand. Hold it up, everybody. That puzzle piece. We're, at, we're asking you to find your place because you have a place. Just like that, that, you see that in the background there. You've got a place where you fit. And we're asking you to play. Now, listen, we invite you to connect. We invite you to fit. But let me just say something. We can't make you fit. Have you ever tried? Oh, I know you have. Yeah. Working on a puzzle. And you get a little frustrated. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And a piece looks like it should fit. And you're thinking, they must have cut this wrong. This, this, is, this, this has not been manufactured properly. Because I know this fit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, because, you know, hey, let's face it. The way they make puzzles, it's not easy, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, anything that's, that's past the wooden eight piece gets pretty complicated. And all of a sudden, you've got to figure out things. And all of a sudden, they all start looking the same. And you've been pouring over it for hours, right? You've drinking five, five-hour energy drinks just to, just to stay focused. And, 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 and it should fit. And so you're pushing and you're pressing and... Listen, we can't do that. We cannot force fit you into the kingdom of God. Nor can we force fit you into God's family. How do I know that? Because I've tried to fit people in. How do we force fit people in the kingdom of God? We beg them to come. Please, please come. Please, please be a part of our church. Please, please. Please don't leave. Please don't go. Please, 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 please. I know you'll fit if I just push hard enough. How many of y'all know it doesn't work? See, there's a piece cut a certain way, and you are unique, and you're cut a certain way. And listen, as much as you want to look like the next person or be like or aspire to imitate, which is not a bad thing necessarily, we've we ha- got to have heroes. We've got to have people that, that motivate and inspire us. One of my spiritual heroes recently passed away, and, and, and I've been watching videos of him and videos of, of him as he led his church and pastored his church. And, and, and it's just, it's moved me. I thought, gosh, to be a little more like him. He died young, 56, died of an embolism. And, and, and here he was pastoring a church, and, and it's, it's affected me profoundly because I, I want to aspire to be something like him. But I can't be him because I've got a unique cut. Hold your peace. I want you to hold your peace up. You've got a unique cut. You're unique. And you're made to connect. You're made to fit. But you can't force it where it doesn't fit. Amen? You know, there are people that have gifts and and talents and things that God's given you. And yet, you don't like the gift God gives you. You'd rather have the gift that they have. Or you want the gift that that person has. Or you want to hold the microphone. You want to play the guitar. You want to play the drums. But maybe that's not your cut. Maybe that's not your gift. But isn't it funny how we'll aspire to a certain gift? You want to teach, but maybe that's not your gift. Here's what's so important to understand about this piece. Is however it's cut is the way God cut it. 
Okay? However you are cut, however you are formed, in His image, the Imago Dei, we call that. Whatever your cut is, it's unique to you, and God did it, and you should thank Him for it. Let me tell you, I have struggled all my adult life because, because the way I'm wired and the way I'm cut, it, it sometimes causes problems. How many of you know your greatest gift can become your biggest weakness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm random, I'm abstract, I'm off the wall, great starter. I got a lot of energy in the beginning, but then you got to press through things, and, and it's difficult. I'm real creative in the sense that I could generate something or make something happen off the wall. I'm actually, I did the Strength Finders. Has any of you ever done the Strength Finders test? Strength Finders 2.0. Excellent, excellent resource. I love the message of that book. What they do, they test and they find your strengths, your top five. And then they say basically this, quit working so hard to fix what doesn't work and what you're not strong at and maximize what you're strong at. In other words, spend the bulk of your time and energy being better at what you're already good at and maximizing your strengths. I'm a maximizer by nature. I like to take things that are broken and fix them and make them better. And so I'm constantly tweaking things and fixing things and doing things. The bad thing about that is, is that in the long-term strategic process of a church, you don't want to do a lot of that. You've got to get your direction set and then let it run its course. But not me. I've got to get in there and fix, tweak, mess around, change out 15 pulpits. Every time y'all see me, I've got a different guitar in my hand. Is that not the truth? I trade them like baseball cards. I mean, it's because I'm always changing, fixing, getting a little better, a little different, a little tweak, a little freshness. That's a gift. It should also be a weakness. But, but here's the deal. I've been cut uniquely. And you have to. You have to. Do not disdain or despise the way God cut you but find out what that strength is what is that strength and maximize it we need let me just say this everybody hold up your piece i want to see every piece in here let me just say something we need your peace if we do not work together if you do not show up next week we cannot put our puzzle together our picture will not be whole we will not be able to be as one. And we'll get to it and we'll go, well, where's so-and-so? Where's that piece? Where's that piece? And we'll get to the end of the service and go, where's so Where? How come they're not here? Well, you know, they went down the street or, ah, well, you know, we just weren't feeding them here or whatever. Everybody's got a thing. You know, they, you know, they like the music somewhere else or, or, you know, they wish Pastor Jimmy would wear a suit. I mean, there is all, trust me. I've been doing this a long time. It gets weirder than that. Those are the minor things. But if you don't show up, we don't have a picture. You're unique. God made you. God made you to fit. Not force fit. Made you to fit. And being a part of spiritual family should be as natural as breathing. And when it's not, it means we're trying to force something. Amen? You need to ask God, is this my place? Is this my family? It's interesting to me how somebody can come to not just this church, any church. And for a few months, you're the best thing since sliced bread. 
Oh, this church has changed my life. I've been ministered to. I've been blessed. I've been to. I've been to. And I've been. And then you you fit in and you find your fit and and you're you're in place and and it's going well. And then and then you get bored, or you get tired, or you get offended. And all of a sudden, it's like a switch. And all of a sudden, you don't want to fit anymore because that piece is rubbing you the wrong way and. Maybe somebody else has tried to force fit over here and it's messing with yours. And all of a sudden, it's just not, you know, how they, you know, you know how they are. Well, you know, I'm kind of tired of the way that happens. And I wish that, I wish they'd do something different here. And why did they change the order? Why did they change the name? I mean, they still got Morningstar on the building, but they're Grace Point. They're, I'm confused. Why do we do that? Why is it a one-way street out here instead of a two-way? I mean, the list goes on. And the city's working on that, hopefully, soon. Do you hear what I'm saying? Find your fit. Find your place. Connect. Grow and serve. I want you to connect on two levels. First of all, and it's important that we get the order right, is we want you to connect with God. Connect with Him. Jesus said that we may be one just as they are one. We want to be one. We've got... Listen, if you don't connect with God first, but you connect with us first, we're going to have a problem very quickly. Because when the adrenaline runs off and the high and the new smell goes away of your experience, you're going to get frustrated. So we need you to connect with God first. That's why we provide awesome worship. That's why we take our time in worship. That's why we offer communion. We want you to connect with God, and we try to give you every opportunity to do just that. Connect with God first, but then you connect with people. Serve and grow, or grow and serve the same way. Grow with God, grow in people. Grow, serve God, serve people. All in that order. Does that make sense? Someone say, find your fit. Say, I am finding my place. All right, now let's go to the next scripture. That was John 17, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. We'll have it on the screen if you want to turn there. We're reading out of the New Living Translation today. Are you with me? Are you with me? Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Don't you wish it was on your timetable? So do I, but it's not. Verse 24, let us, look at this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How can I motivate you to acts of love and good works? I don't know. I'm supposed to find ways. And there's a million of them. First of all, it's to love you and appreciate you, which I do, by the way. Went down the hall and just thanked all of our children's workers this morning. I just, I just felt like I needed to go say thanks. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for serving. Thank you for loving our kids. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for giving up your time down here to be with us so that you can be down there wiping poopy diapers and you know, taking care of stuff. Thank you. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's one way I want to motivate someone to an act of love and a good work. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day 
of his return is drawing near. You've got to realize this was written nearly 2,000 years ago, and the day of his return was drawing near. That tells me, if you do the math, which I'm not good at, but I at least can figure this one out, it's a little closer now than it was then. His day of appearing, his day of his return is getting closer now than it was then, which tells me I need to be about his business, which was encouraging you. You know what the word encourage means? It means to inspire courage. When I encourage you, I inspire courage in you. Does that make sense? And we ought to be about the business when we walk into this building of looking for ways to motivate each other to loving good works and encouraging one another. How you doing? You okay? You making it? You can do it. You're stronger than you think. You fit. You're going to make it. You're going to get through it. His grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen? Motivate, encourage, inspire. Because we know that the day is drawing near. It says, do not, let, do not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Back to what we said originally. If you don't show up, the puzzle's not complete. Does that make sense? I don't know how much simpler we can make this. If you're not here, you're missed. If you're not here, you're missed. You know what's nice? You know what I really appreciate? I really appreciate it when someone can't be here and they shoot off an email to us and say, hey, just let you know we're going out of town next week. You have no idea how helpful that is. First of all, it causes us not to worry about you. Because some people think we don't worry when you're missing. But trust me, we do. And we do miss you when you're gone. That doesn't mean we can't chase after everybody. And we, people get offended because, well, I was gone for three weeks and I never got a call, a card, or anything. Well, it may be because you're not really connected in the first place. And I don't mean this to be negative or beat anybody down. But here's the deal. If you've not found your place and you're fit, then we don't know if you're, not, if you're there or not. If you're not in... See what I mean? And so it's not, and I don't mean that to be a negative at all. I'm just saying, don't get offended if we don't know you're in the hospital if you didn't tell us. I mean, we try real hard. We pray. We ask the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't speak that clearly. We, We get it just like you do. So appreciate Tony back. Tony had a heart attack this week, by the way. He's here. Wave, Tony. He had a heart attack this week. Come on, somebody. Give, give the Lord a hand. Go, God. And I appreciate his wife calling. And I picked up the phone. I don't know if I answered it. MSCC or Grace Boy. I have no telling. Probably did. I'm still working on it. But I so appreciate her picking up the phone to let us know that he had had a heart attack. We were able to mobilize prayer and, and pray. I was able to go up to the hospital and pray with him and encourage and and, you know, that's the way it should work. They're finding their fit. They haven't been here very long, but they're, they knew enough to connect. They knew enough to pick up the phone. They knew enough to let us know what's going on. And that mobilized people to pray for them and minister. Does that make sense? Don't neglect the assembly. Listen, he's got an excuse to not be here today. If there's anybody in this room that would go, you know, I might need to stay home and, you know, kick my feet up, I'd be going... Take care of yourself, you know. You know, but here he is, and I appreciate you, Tony. That, that says a lot to me. And it should say something to everybody here, that you're here after having a heart attack. Amen? What's your excuse? <laughs> I'm just tired. i got a little sinus issue going on. I mean, I had to take Zyrtec this morning. And 
It makes me dizzy. <laughs> Heart attack. He's here. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that's hitting really hard right now. But last scripture, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Okay, we already talked about the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. Look what it says. The end of the world is coming soon, 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 soon. I mean, that's like, whoa. All right, this is big for me. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. By the way, 930 right there, you can do just that. Every Sunday morning in the foundry room. Most important of all, uh-oh. Okay, those are some pretty big stuff, all right? End of the world's coming soon. Be disciplined in your prayer. But more important than the end of the world, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. That means if you're offended at me, dear brother, dear sister, and you see me in aisle four at Walmart, do not run. I will hunt you down. I will find you. I will see you, by the way. It's funny because people think pastors have limited sight. There's something about they're not really human because not really male, not really female. He's a preacher. Preachers, its own kind of animal, its own kind of. They don't have normal feelings. They don't get their feelings hurt. They don't. You can abuse them all you want, and they'll never hurt. <laughs> Let me just bust your bubble. It hurts. And it's funny because you think emotionally. We do that with our bosses. We did it with teachers. We do it with authority figures where we think, well, they don't really see what I'm doing back here. Uh, yeah, actually, we do. I don't really see the notes you're passing over here. Actually, I do. <laughs> yeah. Alan and I talk. So, I mean, <laughs> love, deep love, most of all, love. That means when you offend me, and guess what, folks? It happens. It happens. My responsibility is not to get you back. My responsibility is not to call you out. You know what my responsibility is? Most of all, to love you. And to go, you know what? Maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe somebody kicked them, so they kicked me. I happen to be in the chain. Maybe something else is going on that I don't know about. You know what? Nine times out of ten, it is. Because really, I look around the room, we don't have a lot of mean people in here. No, we don't. We've got nice people here who have bad days. And that's where I have to go back to last week and go, I need to extend some grace here. Because maybe they didn't mean to hurt my feelings. Maybe they didn't mean it. Ah, eh, we leak out what we're full of. Maybe they were just full that day, that moment, that hour. But most of all, my responsibility is to love you. But you know what? Your responsibility is it's to love everybody. Because this is the thing that's going to prove that Jesus is real. You know, they can, they can on the History Channel, dissect hell, which they've done. The second kind, I mean, they dissect the Word of God, the validity. They can do all this stuff. 
you know, try to unearth all these things. They can dissect the Dead Sea Scrolls and do all these different things. But at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's really going to prove whether Jesus is real. And it's if I can overlook an offense, if I can forgive in spite of, if I can love you, even if you don't know that you hurt me. Because a lot of times you don't know that what you said got back to me. Trust me, it does. And I come up to you in the hall and I hug your neck, pat you on the back. I Facebook you an encouraging word. I don't defriend you. Oh, I'll show them. I might hide you, but I don't defriend you. Hey, I'm being real. Love. That's it. All right, take your piece in your hand. I did a 300-piece puzzle. There's not quite 300 people here, so we're not going to spend the next two hours trying to figure it out, okay? That would have been a great exercise, wouldn't it? Five o'clock this evening, we could all go home just to try to put our piece together. But can you, Randall, throw that picture back up? Caught him in mid-swig. There's what it would look like. And I picked that picture on purpose because it's kind of hard to tell from my picture from my iPhone. But that is actually a community. And I thought, how fitting to have a community made up of pieces. Because at the end of the day, that's what we are. Is it not? We're a community made up of pieces. Are you connected? Have you found your place? Have you found your fit? Now listen, it's okay to try things, to come in and go, okay, I'll try to teach this this children's class, or I'll try to be a youth sponsor, or I'll, I'll try to... But you, that doesn't mean that's your fit, but you can try. See, a puzzle doesn't come together unless you try the pieces. Am I right? You have to try to see if it fits. And if it doesn't, you don't go, I'm throwing this stinking thing away. Piece of junk. No, you, no, you, you try another piece. Here, I need, I need myself back. Thank you. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> no, do you hear what I'm saying? You just try another piece. Pick up, a, you change the angle, you find its fit. And then my question for you today about connection, are you connected and have you found your fit? And if it didn't work the first time you tried and you didn't find your fit, did you just quit? There'd be a lot of unfinished puzzles out there, wouldn't there? I want everybody to look back at Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Just wave. Now look in front of Kyle. See all those, those, <laughs> thank you, Kyle. Vanna Kyle, Vanna Jackson. <laughs> Very nice. See all those slots? You know what those are? Those are opportunities to connect at one level. There's a lot of levels, but there's one right there. Those are called life groups. And get, let, me tell you, let me tell you the problem with life groups is it's made up of people. So every one of those, I can guarantee you, are messed up. But there's something about when God touches a bunch of messed up people that come together, life happens. The math doesn't add up, but God knows what to do. Amen? Amen? It's like we come in here for a worship rehearsal. It's a train wreck, and we beg God to touch it, and he does. At the end of the day, we all know we're not real talented up here. We just know God's going to show up when we hang it out there. And it's the same way with these groups. We show up. 
God shows up. Does that mean you're not going to get hurt or offended? No. Anytime you get together with another human being, how many of y'all know two human beings in a room equal 100 opinions, right? 100 ways to do it, right? Because we all change. But let me tell you something. There is something that God does and works out in us when we come together, imperfect as we are, and God says, I love you so much. Gosh, I love you. Thanks for trying. Thanks for putting forth some effort. I'm going to bless that. I'm going to touch it.